We're on. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society. Nothing but facts live stream. And today, it's now, um, the timing of Dhuhr and Asr is getting so tight that we're actually going to do our dua portion first. And we're going to write, recite from uh, the dua, which is a, a prayer of the Prophet wasallam, which you may be have referred to as Dua An-Nur. Really doesn't have any official title, but that's what we will refer to. Right? Why don't you put it straight in the middle so the uh, Instagrammers could see? I prayed Dhuhr already. So while we after we do this, you can just give me pray Dhuhr. Okay. Okay. Ready. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Allahumma ja'alli nooran fi qalbi wa nooran fi qabri wa nooran fi sam'i wa nooran fi basari wa nooran fi sha'ri wa nooran fi bashari وَنُورًا فِي لَحْمِي وَنُورًا فِي دَمِي وَنُورًا فِي عِظَامِي وَنُورًا فِي عَصَبِي وَنُورًا مِنْ بَيْنِ يَدَيَّ وَنُورًا مِنْ خَلْفِي وَنُورًا عَنْ يَمِينِي وَنُورًا عَنْ شِمَالِي وَنُورًا مِنْ فَوْقِي وَنُورًا مِنْ تَحْتِي اللَّهُمَّ زِدْنِي نُورًا وَأَعْطِنِي نُورًا وَجَعَلِّي نُورًا وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آنِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَسَلِمٌ Inshallah, we'll stop here for two minutes of dua and dhikr, inshallah. Uh, remember, this is the time where dua may be mujab, bismillah ta'ala. Bismillah. Thank <laughs> you. 
سيدنا محمد Uh, today is, uh, of course, our day on <clears throat> affairs of the Ummah. And I've been wanting to read this for a while. What's going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for the first time. Uh, I've, I've wanted to share with everyone the story of Adnan Sayyid because um, it's a really interesting story. Right? And... It's to me, it's a tragic, it's a tragic story. Obviously, a man lit, lost like years of his life. 27 years. In 1999, down in Maryland, this young man, Adnan Sayyid, he had uh, a girlfriend. Okay, so he's a Muslim guy, but he has a girlfriend. And um, I guess we all know that people are not always able to live up to you know, what we, ex we expect as a Muslim, but so he had a girlfriend, okay? And this girlfriend was named Hyman Lee. Well, one day, 1999, she was found dead. And apparently, there was, um, the relationship with him and her had ended, so he became the first suspect, all right? And this is all um, while they're high school students, Literally just in high school. Okay. In 2000, he was found guilty. Now, his lawyer was literally terrible. Like, his lawyer had not re done in a DNA investigation. Like, how do you not do a DNA investigation? The prosecutor rel relied heavily on the testimony of a, of a friend, his own friend, and said that he helped Adnan... Bury the body. Right, you ever done child care before? <laughs> My gosh. Okay. He helped Adnan bury the body. Oh, why don't you go sit with her, uh, sit in Ryan's chair? Ryan has a nice chair that goes around and around and around. Right? They presented uh, cell phone tower records that they said put Mr. Sayed near the park. Right? When... Miss Lee's body was found. A jury found Adnan Sayed, who was 17. That's it. He was just 17 years old. I think she was 18. Uh, guilty of murder, robbery, kidnapping, false imprisonment, and he was given a life sentence. Okay, now, fast forward 14 years, a long time. Serial is a podcast. Okay, and this podcast. Uh, Sarah Koenig, she's, she's the one who did the podcast. This podcast, around 2014, was like fire. Everybody, everybody that you know was watching this podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast. And the episodes would come out every Thursday, right? Every Thursday at 5 o'clock, which is a very weird time. I guess, well, maybe it's drive. People are driving home. Thursday at 5 o'clock, the episode comes out. Sarah Koenig, I think she thought she was like, she, she hit the thing and she became great. She never did anything else again, right? You never heard her name again. No offense to her or anything, but this podcast hit, like was a grand slam because of the story, right? Had nothing to do with 
the, the actual production of it. Production was good. But it's the story. Okay, it's not the narrator. Because she went around, she went to Tonight Show, and she went to all these late shows and everything. Nothing was produced after that. Right, that was really that good. No offense to, the, to, to, to her. But she did a really great job on this one. It, but it was the story that made it. It was 12 weekly episodes. I'm telling you, some of these episodes were like an hour and a half, almost two hours. You listen to every single minute of it. Could not, it was on the edge of your seat. Like our community, the Muslim community. And everyone got, like even non-Muslims were into this. So it's not just us. So over the 12 weekly uh, uh, episodes, the podcast revealed that there's an alibi witness. Okay? And she says she was with him at the library at the time in which Miss Lee was supposedly killed. That witness is Asia McLean. She said she, was, she had been willing to testify, but Mr. Sayed's lawyer, this is the woman who really, she should be sued, but she's dead. Maria uh, Gutierrez never even contacted her. Miss Gutierrez was disbarred in 2001 after a series of client complaints emerged. So when we say that she was just a terrible uh, defense attorney, it's not out of nothing. It was because um, she had many cases where she was just a terrible lawyer. The series also questioned the credibility of the cell phone tower records. So it's attacking now their evidence and revealed that physical evidence gathered in 1999 was never tested for DNA. How when we had OJ, literally the guy has every reason to, to commit this murder, OJ Simpson. There's nobody else in the picture for motive. Because you got to look at motive. Like who wants these people dead? Who's angry with these people? Right? OJ Simpson. How does he get off? DNA. Right? That forensic scientist, that nerdy guy from Harvard, and he's now like a defense lawyer. If you remember, I watched that footage. When I come home from school, I would turn it on. And because they were California time, you get a big chunk of it, right? It was three hours behind. So if they started at nine, that was like 12 for us. And if they finished at five, that's like eight for us. Or let's say they finish at four. That's 7 p.m. for us. So you came, we came home, you turn it That's what you did in 1995, 94, 94, 95, I can't remember. Well, 94, the Knicks were in the playoffs, game three against the Houston Rockets. And then OJ takes off with his white Bronco. And they cut the game, the NBA game, the, the finals. They cut the NBA finals. And they show the white Bronco ride for like 30 minutes or something. Everyone was furious. So, so they did this. 1995, your life was everyone. You came home. The first thing you did, you turned the TV on. right? Because the only place you'd get the case was on TV. There was no streaming. There were no apps. right? It, was not on, it wasn't on the radio. You turned to, that's what every household in America did. Okay. And then you followed this case, which was, for some people, a complete slam dunk. And for other people, it was essentially payback for Rodney King. Right? 1992, in L.A., Rodney King, just a regular old driver, he gets pulled out and beaten the lights out of him by four cops. Okay? And a guy had an old, you know, those old VCR recording devices and recorded it. Then Boot made copies, sent it to all the media channels, right? And L.A. was just on fire. So they, they, they prosecuted the four cops, and they all got off. I don't know how they got off. I think they got off that maybe the identity, they couldn't get their identity pinned down exactly who they were. 
I think that might be how. I don't know how they got off, but L.A. just blew up. Okay. Uh, and Reginald Denny, a white guy, poor white guy. Like, they almost, like, chose him, and they beat the pulp out of that guy as payback for Rodney King. Now, Reginald Denny hadn't done anything either. I think he almost died. So that was the L.A. riots of 1992. Now, O.J., after that, that was basically like a payback for that, right? Because there's only one reason, there's one thing that would make me say that O.J., I don't know, maybe he didn't do it, right? Is that they claim that there was a dot of blood on his steering wheel, uh, on his door handle of his Bronco. There was a dot of blood of his wife's blood in his bathroom. Now, a juror, she said something that makes sense. Explain to me how you kill two people and only a dot of blood shows up. Wouldn't there be a trail of blood onto the, to the white Bronco and a trail of blood all the way upstairs? Like, how would there be exactly one dot? So that did actually make sense. But nonetheless, they still, by the way, nobody. There's no possible... Um, uh, uh, person that they have on the radar that killed, that did the OJ killings. Whereas here, as we're going to see, the reason that Adnan Say got out is like they found the real guy through DNA. So that's always, always the case. When you try to make someone innocent, it's you try to make them innocent by showing who actually did the murder. It's impossible to, 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 to retake a trial and, uh, uh, and basically just poke holes at the evidence. It's not enough. Once you're found guilty, the only way out is to find the real person who did the case. So, we're on affairs of the Ummah, and we're talking about Adnan Sayyid. His lawyer, Ms. Gutierrez, she doesn't look for any DNA. Like, this lawyer is just terrible. I guess the parents, they didn't know how to assess a lawyer. Okay. The podcast was downloaded more than 100 million times in the first year. Imagine that. Muhammad, get your hands off the computer. Bringing widespread public attention to the case. It won a Peabody Award for compelling, drilling account of how guilt, truth, and reality are decided. Okay. In 2015, Mr. Sayed gets a new hearing. All right. A Maryland court agrees to hear an appeal from Mr. Sayed. Okay. Granted him a new hearing that would allow the introduction of new evidence. In 2016... So the hearing just to see if there is enough evidence to have a new trial. In 2016, a judge grants a new trial. Now, you know these courts, are, they're busy. They're regular people, they don't have time for moving quick. They don't move quick. It's their job. They're going to move at their own pace, right? They're not going to rush because you're in a rush. These things take so long, it's just killer. Now, in the hearings, he has a new defense team, of course. Argued that the original defense team was grossly negligent and presented the testimony of Miss McLean, or and, and failed, right, to present Miss McLean's evidence. The team also asked why the original lawyer had not que- questioned the reliability of cell phone tower records, nor asked for DNA discovery. A judge in Maryland granted a new trial in June, and the state appealed the ruling. Miss Lee's family expressed pain and outrage. Why express pain and outrage? Where the case is basically they're saying they might have gotten the wrong guy. So why are you assuming he's the right guy? All right. 
They say, continue to believe justice was done when Mr. Sayed was convicted of killing Hay. Okay. Mr. Sayed's lawyer asked for him to be released on bail, and this motion was denied. All right, now, how long before the new case starts? It's now 2018. The Maryland Court of Special Appeals upheld the decision to grant him a new trial because the state said no. And now uh, the... Special Appeals Court said yes. And they vacated his conviction, agreeing okay, that he had received ineffective legal counseling, but he will remain incarcerated. Okay. 2019, Maryland's highest court denies the new trial, so the state appeals it even higher up, and they reverse the decision. Okay. The Court of Appeals ruled in a 4-3 to three decision that while the original defense lawyer had been deficient... Mr. Sayed was not prejudiced by that deficiency. In other words, he was not mistreated. Your lawyer stunk. That's what they're saying. It's not our problem that you're... Why should the state, every time someone's lawyer stinks, you get a new trial? That's their perspective, right? So they denied him a new trial. And they reinstated the conviction. Finally, in November, the United States declined to hear the case. The Supreme Court, they, they don't even want to hear the case. Then, a four-part HBO documentary. So I missed this one, actually. I didn't see this one, because I don't have HBO. The case against Adnan Sayed. Does anyone have HBO these days? Uh, Revealed that DNA tests performed at the request of Mr. Sayed's new lawyers did not find anyone else's DNA on Miss Lee's body or belongings. That's terrible. Okay, Terrible news. They did not find anyone. Well, terrible news. Sorry. Uh, terrible news if you're looking for another criminal. But they found there was his DNA was not on her body that day. And that's the basically the news. So if you look at these things, it's all these documentaries. It's the citizens who go after these cases. The Serial Podcast, now the HBO documentary, and they revealed that uh, there was no DNA. So there wasn't another guy's DNA, but there wasn't also Adnan Sayed's DNA. So in 2022, the conviction is overturned completely. Look how long it took before it exploded. So 14 years he sat rotting in jail. Well, not rotting in jail, but we have to say like, not feel, there's like no hope. Then 2014, an explosion. And he's a household name in some communities. And the case is, everyone knows about this case. Worldwide. And then it takes seven years after that, right? Eight years, the conviction is overturned. In March, prosecutors agreed to new DNA testing, saying that it was merited because of advances in genetic profiling. A new Maryland law gave prosecutors the discretion to modify the sentences of offenders who were under 18 at the time of their crimes and had already served at least 20 years. So basically, your life is done with. You committed this crime when you're under 18, you spent 20 years in jail, those people can get um, the DNA che- uh, checked again. So on September 14th, prosecutors asked a judge to overturn Mr. Sayed's conviction. They said an investigation had uncovered the potential involvement of two alternative suspects. That's what I'm saying here. Like, it's not going to get overturned because your defense did a bad job or because of something. The only way that you can really overturn these cases is when you find the real killer. 
right? That's why poking holes in the prosecution's case is useless. Poking holes in how bad your defense was, was, uh, was is useless. You just got to find the real killer. And that's how there's an organization called the Innocence Project. And what they do essentially is they just do DNA testing everywhere where the case where there's a case and they find the real killer, right? Once they find the real killer, you have to vacate the other guy and, and overturn that conviction. So they said an investigation had uncovered the potential involvement of these two alternative suspects. Key evidence that prosecutors might have failed to provide to Mr. Said's lawyers and significant reliability issues regarding the most critical pieces of their evidence presented at trial. They asked that he be granted a new trial at a minimum and released on his own personal recognizance. Recognizance? After a nearly year-long investigation reviewing the facts of this case, Sayed deserves a new trial where he is adequately represented and the latest evidence can be presented, says Marilyn Mosby, the state attorney for Baltimore City. On September 19th, Judge Melissa Finn of Baltimore City vacated the conviction in the interest of justice and fairness. Mr. Sayed is now 41 years old. He was picked up, have no clue why he was picked up when he was 17 years old. Okay? He comes out at the age of 41. But this is the path that Allah has chosen for him. He, came, he, he goes in, just a regular American kid, He's coming out now, mashallah. He's um, devo- he. I think he memorized a good portion of the Quran. He became very pious in jail. He turned to Allah Taala. He said an interesting thing that he said that you all think I'm like in jail. I'm actually like I have a life here. It's it's a very different life, but I'm busy. I do have a life here. So, I believe that Allah helped this this young man. And took him from a life that he was going to live and gave him a, a life that was very painful for the last 30 years. And it's still going to be because this thing just doesn't go away. But he really should become a millionaire from this. He really needs, for every year that he lost, at least $2 million. That's how it works. That's not like a rule, but it's a rule of thumb. In other cases, that's what they said. $2 million dollars. And the judge awarded that $2 million for every year that you were wrongly convicted. We'll see if he gets anything, but that he really should. And, and we'll see how he's going to use that money. Because he's somebody that, has, uh, from his appearance and from his words, he's transformed completely. It's like really... The lives of men, like when I was reading yesterday, mm-hmm. how Imam Haddad divides the life into all these different periods. Yeah. It's like he skipped the whole, the whole youth. It's like he was almost protected during that time. 100%. It's almost like that... Imam al-Haddad when he says like from maturity to 35 like that's where people get in trouble that's where people mess up in life and it would seem to be that Allah just totally protected him from that right and he was just in the jail I wonder what he was doing in the jail he has access to a library they have jobs things like that he says now prosecutors on October 11th forget no new trial they drop the charges altogether Okay, they dropped the charges because the DNA evidence excluded Mr. Said. Like he could not even be the, the, the killer. His DNA, if you strangled someone, the DNA would be there somewhere. Okay, An appeal before the Maryland Court of Special Appeals in which Miss Lee's family sought to pause proceedings remained pending. Like Miss Lee's family, what they have to get here is that 
how does this change anything? Right? It doesn't change anything. You believed the wrong thing your whole life. It doesn't take away anything from like the the people like dis- no one's disrespecting your daughter's situation, right? Nobody's disrespecting that. So this is something that like it's almost like I think they got it all wrong in that respect. Um, in imagining that you know you're disrespecting our our daughter, blah blah blah. It's not a disrespect at all. I'm I I they if you're gonna have any anger, have anger at the at the at the state who screwed it up. Yeah, what is the question? Read it for me. How does wrongful conviction work in Islamic court? How does wrongful conviction work? Well, we have to see what the punishment was. Wrongful conviction, it's a terrible thing, obviously. And it would basically, essentially, um, the dia money would have to be returned and that person would have to be uh, compensated for the loss of life that he... See, we don't have life imprisonment anyway. You might have some years in jail... Okay. And uh, uh, there, there should be compensation. All right, let's read another story. Attorney General Brian Frosch blasted Marilyn Mosby's handling of Adnan Sayed's case in a court filing. Frosch said his criticisms of Mosby don't demonstrate bias against Sayyid, and they do not disqualify his office from an appeals case against Sayyid's release. Sayyid, 40, well, Mosby is a judge, I think. Sayyid, 41, was sentenced to life after he was convicted for the 1999 murder of Heyman Lee, his ex-girlfriend. The, the case first received national attention. Okay, we said all this. Last month, Mosby filed a motion to have the conviction tossed. Okay, so that's his lawyer. After an investigation conducted by prosecutors uh, and say its defense revealed previously undisclosed evidence pointing to two other suspects. Muhammad, stop playing with the light. Representatives of Young Lee, Heyman Lee's brother, filed a notice of appeal. Like here, here they go again. Okay, against this guy, where they should really just worry about. Maybe open your mind. Maybe you did get the wrong guy. What does that change? Which you should be like, wait a second. If we got the wrong guy, well, who is the real killer? Lee's lawyer argued circuit court proceedings should be paused until the appeal is heard. The attorney general said in a Tuesday, Tuesday filing, Mosby's actions raise red flags about the integrity and neutrality of the proceedings. Frost said Mosby's office gave the Lee family two days notice of in- intent to file a motion calling for Sayed's conviction to be thrown out. His office argued Lee should be allowed to make the case. Mosby's office violated the Maryland Declaration of Rights mandate to treat victims with dignity, respect, and sensitivity. Why not? I mean, they gave him notice. It's not enough. What do you want? A month? Who knows? Mosby issued a statement about Frosh's filing on Twitter. In the statement, she defended her actions and said it was extremely troubling that Frosch was clearly biased and operating in self-preservation mode. Attorney General Brian Frosch and his office mishandled, she says, and sat on exculpatory evidence for years 
and his recent attempts to save face is a complete disservice to the family of Haman Lee and to Adnan Sayed, who was wrongfully jailed for 23 years, incarcerated. She said, we stand by our investigation and our ultimate finding that there is no credible evidence that Mr. Sayed was involved. Mosby alleged that Frost was trying to protect himself and the original prosecutor and post-conviction attorney and everyone involved in the Sayed case by legally asserting, yeah, because you're going to get sued, that's why, by legally asserting that prosecutors don't have to disclose. Okay, so don't have to disclose to the defense an alternative suspect that threatens to kill the victim because the person reporting the threat was not sure if the threat was serious or not. Okay. So let me read that again. Legally, certain prosecutors don't have to disclose to the defense. Oh, okay, an alternative suspect. I see. Our office has always and will continue to treat the family of Hamilton with respect, Mosby said. We, do, we not only notified the family prior to filing the motion, we provided them a copy of the motion explained the reasons for the decision, offered counseling, provided personal cell phone numbers for multiple invitations to call or text at any time, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Baltimore's prosecutor uh, dropped Sage's charges. So Mosby is basically working for defense Sayed, and the court agreed. They dropped the case. Okay. And they denied the motion... And they gave Lee's representative 15 days to say why their appeal should continue, right? Why should we have an appeal now if we have no evidence that would make Sayed even involved in this case? In light of the public comments made by Frosch on the case, Adnan's defense made a motion to strike the attorney general's office uh, as party to the appeal, saying to the prosecutors, the prosecutors have prejudged this case. I know that it's always easy to talk about this stuff, but my thing is that you got to go on the offensive. You always have to be on the offensive. There's no, there, 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 there's no success if you're on defense. It's got to be attack, 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 and they got to attack and start suing these people, left and right. Lawsuits, left, right, and center. Okay. She said that all they do is seek to rep represent not the state of Maryland, but itself. Right, the prosecutor's office is basically playing defense and defending itself. Don't go down the steps. Mamadou, no steps. Frosch said the motion would prevent the office of the attorney general from performing its constitutional duty to represent the state of Maryland. The attorney general's decision to call attention to the unorthodox and questionable conduct of Ms. Mosby and her office throughout the reinvestigation and dismissal of the convictions was in service of that interest. So they're basically fighting. Okay. This guy, no offense, he looks like a cartoon character. So I want to see now Adnan Said go on the offensive. Suing, by name, everybody. Everyone. Miss Gutierrez, does she have any money left over after she died? Sue for it. Because she's the one who really messed you up. Really messed you up. So that's essentially the case of Adnan Sayed. And that is our first segment of the affairs of the Umarai. Anyone have any questions? I know you're busy actually doing child care today. But, uh, 
not uh, related only to Adnan Sayed. Remember, we're not we're not doing uh, Q and A. You're gonna have to re-put your Q and A again when we start because I don't want to scroll up. Nothing. No specific questions about this. All right, this is funny. The Qatari officials have stopped a protest staged by British LGBTQ rights. Okay. This protest consisted of one man. <laughs> he flew out to Qatar, okay, to protest that they are anti-gay. Listen, you have your own beliefs. Other people have their own beliefs. Your belief is not universal. Okay. But the thing is, people say that people don't need religion, we don't need beliefs. These people, they fight day and night for their beliefs. Whether it's global warming, right? Then when vaccinations comes around, when COVID comes around, they become, um, you know, like crusaders for that. Then it's for gays, right? It's, they, they love to be activists for their religion, Okay. So daydream of autumn, how would compensation work? It would be decided by the, by the people. The judges would decide what is the right compensation. Okay. I don't really want to read any of this news, to be honest with you. Um, the news on five pillars. Salman Rushdie has lost sight in one eye and the use of one hand. Imran Khan barred from public office for five years. Wow. They love him over there. That's going to be overturned because they love him too much. Doctor who asked Muslim women to remove veil suspended for nine months. Dr. Keith Wolverson, 56. Like, why would he do this? So let's see if he has a, a case. Why, why, why is this thing, the timer keep turning on? I don't know how it works. And I want to just shut this off. I'm freezing out here. Oh, you want to shut it off? I, I'm trying to shut it off, but it's, I don't know why it's not shutting off. Weirdest thing. All right, so a doctor from Derby, he asked a Muslim woman to re remove her veil, and it was not deemed necessary. Keith Wolverson, he's 56. He was deemed by a medical tribunal, that's a pretty big word, to have committed several serious acts of misconduct. So a tribunal to me, if you're found guilty by a tribunal, you get shot, right? Isn't that, isn't that what it... Uh, <laughs> that's what like a tribunal... Firing squad. There's going to be a firing squad waiting at the end of the tribunal. Um, well, that's the image that it gives anyway. So... They included repeating his request to the Muslim woman, who we're calling Mrs. Q, obviously Mrs. Qureshi, right? What else? Who? What other Daisy uh, uh, name is going to end with a, start with a Q? It's got to be Miss Qureshi. To rem and there, and then by the way, why do you even need to hide her name? Do you know how many million Qureshis there, Mrs. Qureshis? You could even put her whole name: Tayyiba Qureshi, Saliha Qureshi, uh, Sadia Qureshi. It's all going to be. <laughs> there's 13 million of each of those names that I just said. 
You ever try to look up your Desi friend on Facebook? Yeah. You're not get, you're going to find 20,000. Okay, so all this happened during 2018. In other incidents, he wrote in the notes of 15 patients criticizing their English speaking skills and that of their relatives, saying among things that it was unacceptable and not good enough. All right, he's an old-fashioned racist. We are familiar with these things, right? And to, to be honest with you, to a degree, I tolerate a lot of it. When you're old-fashioned and you're past 60, what well, guy's 56, right? At a certain point, and you grew up and the whole world was one way. Then the world ch- switched. You just got to look at where there's real harm. That, to me, I'm actually very tolerant about these things, to be quite honest with you. Like an old-fashioned guy who, who just is not, I'm not used to all this, but you just have to look at, is there really harm going on here? This is a medical note. The guy's blowing off some steam. They can't speak English. Do you know how many times we all blow off steam about people that bother us? I got that neighbor whose dog poops on my lawn every week. He has no respect. Okay, He does not know how to walk a dog. This is America here. You pick it up. You, the, the white guy comes around and he puts on the gloves. And he picks it up and he puts the glove off in a bag. So Pathetic. <laughs> Pathetic. Allah has caused you now to be cleaning poop of a dog. Subhanallah. Yeah, they just take, wrap it up, and he's got the gloves and everything. But this Indian guy, he comes in, and I'm not against all Hindus because I have at least one Hindu person that's like I consider him not a friend, but someone I'm friendly with. But this guy, he doesn't know the rules of how to walk dogs in America, so he bothers me. So we got to just look at: is it is this really harm here? All right, so he writes nasty stuff about them, about their English. That's really not the end of the world. That does not require a tribunal with a firing squad. Anyway, let's keep reading. Duncan Toole, chair of the tribunal, said, the tribunal went on to consider the public interest in this case and the need to uphold public confidence in the profession. It had found Dr. Wolverson's actions to be deplorable, which had the ability to undermine the public's confidence in the profession. It reminded itself that Dr. Wolverson had responded dishonestly to a patient complaint, repeatedly questioned the removal of a face veil, and made offensive remarks in medical records. Okay, so he's a jerk towards everybody, towards Muslims. So he got suspended. With pay or without pay, that's the question. If he got suspended with pay, that's a vacation, right? However, it balanced... With the public's need to have good doctors, and there were no patient safety concerns in this case, and that Dr. Wolverson had provided 25 plus years of service as a doctor, it determined that the public's trust would not be undermined if Dr. Wolverson was allowed to return once he had gained sufficient insight into his action. The tribunal therefore determined that a sanction of suspension would be appropriate and proportionate. I told you that uh, when I was in uh, England and my wife and I would walk past the guy who sells the evening standards, this he's all right, like literally a, a old British dude who probably never passed the fifth grade and he's selling these standards. Every time we'd pass by, he said, Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna, right? Too bad you don't read English. You can't buy my evening. Yeah, to us. He doesn't know what he's saying, Right. I'm not going to be offended by that. I just don't get offended by these things, right? Um, I saw the guy two years later after I had moved. We're sitting at the bus. We're looking at him. We're like, we know that guy. Where is he from? It's two years later. 
And he's like, hey, you guys from Archway, you moved. He's talking to us like we're old friends, right? Because he got used to us and we got used to him. That's how life works. I really don't want us to become this, this community that gets offended by everything. If there's real harm, then inflict real harm back, right? But if there's just a guy with, he writes in his notes that people's English is not good. And he's annoyed by niqab. That to me is, all right, ignorance and insensitivity, fine. I really don't want the Muslims to become one of these annoying minorities, to be quite honest with you. Because really, honestly, the uh, these, yes, minorities, they deserve all this uh, to be treated well. Everyone does. I don't want to go that route, right? I do not want to go that route. When I was in school, this stuff didn't exist. Everyone made fun of everyone. And we enjoyed it, to be quite honest with you. I had a blast. The, there was a Jew who got made fun of for being a Jew. There was an Indian, he got made fun of for being Indian. I was Muslim, I got made fun of for being Muslim. And they said, they would walk, I would walk by, and they would make a bomb sound. I'm like, how is that offensive to me, right? How, that doesn't offend me at all, right? They say, oh, you got prayer mats. Where's your praying mat? I was like, these rugs are gorgeous. I'm not offended by this. Like, it's very hard for me to get offended by any of this stuff, right? Okay, oh, I saw your mom at the mall. She's wearing a hijab. So was the Virgin Mary, right? And you're Catholic. So I, I never, I don't want us to go that route, to be quite honest with you. If uh, the left and the liberals and the woke have convinced you to jump and to look for or how to be offended at every turn, and we're victims, and blah, 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 change your mentality. That's a loser's mentality. I got to be honest with you. It's a loser's mentality. Dr. Wolverson said in a written submission, obviously he's going to write the right thing. He's not stupid. I no longer request the removal of a face veil because you're suspended and would not do so, save in very particular circumstances. An example would be where necessary to inspect a facial injury, perhaps necessitating the suturing of a wound. And I love how he brings something so commonsensical, right? Obviously, you're not going to suture a wound under the niqab. Anyway, the... They could ask for another doctor, a female doctor. However, alternatives such as consultation with a female doctor or sending a photograph could be considered. Dr. Wolverson, who now works as a locum in out-of-hours shift, I don't know what that means, in Warwickshire and Cornwall, that's probably a punishment in itself to live in those places, said he planned to appeal the ruling and said the suspension risked robbing the public of an experienced doctor. No, I don't think anyone worries about you. There's plenty of doctors in the UK. Some of them are even like, barely they can't find jobs. But anyway, is he getting paid or not? That's the question. That is the question. All right, what else do we have in the news? So they gave edub to this guy. You bother the Muslim women? Suspended for nine months. I'm fine with that, but I'm not fine if... Like, we're just a bunch of whiners and complainers. Get the guy suspended, and he learns his lesson. Maybe, fine, because you have to use force at some point. All right, here's another thing. The Muslims have a anti-Zionist on the BBC. And Israel asked, or Zionists, lobbies, lobbyists, 
have asked for Abdelbari Atwan to be removed from the BBC because of his anti-Israel commentary. Zionist organizations such as the Jewish Chronicle, the Board of Deputies for British Jews, and the Jewish Leadership Council, the JLC, they've asked and demanded the removal of Atwan, a regular guest on the BBC. Okay? They say he supports terrorism. Tim Davies said, we do not ban contributors for good reason, but nor do we give them a BBC platform, as your letter suggests. He's just a guest. We question them, and when they hold their and express a controversial view, we should always aim to challenge them. This is not the provision of a platform. It is part of an independent editorial process that helps us to meet our obligations of impartiality. No, you can't be impartial with, with the, the Yehud. The Jews, you have to support them 100%. There's only one way with them. The alternative, I am afraid, would lead us down a dangerous path, which is one that would allow others to decide, such as lobbyists, how, however, uh, find their motives and whatever area of coverage, who is and who is not a fit and proper person to appear on our channel. As our editorial guidelines state, this means we will sometimes include in in our output, people whose views, which may cause serious offense to many people in our audience. But where we do so, the potential for offense must be weighed against public interest. So BBC is trying to be neutral here. Such judgments should be made carefully. In this case, Abdelbari Atwan appeared on a Dateline London primarily to give his view on Saudi Arabia's dealings with Trump. But it was also important to cover the attack on Salman Rushdie. Remember, Salman Rushdie was stabbed by the Shia, the Shia guy. Okay. Mr. Atwan reflected the views of many in the Muslim world who view the satanic verses as blasphemous. And that's a key aspect of the story. Mr. Davies, so now uh, he lost an eye. So he looked like the Dajjal, that's his friend, so now you look like him. Mr. Davies' response came after the pro-Israeli groups and individuals wrote to the BBC last month saying Mr. Atwan is not a right and proper person to be given a BBC platform. It's shocking that the corporation continues to invite him. So be shocked. Signatories include, see what I tell you, it's everyone's whining, 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 whining. Signatories included Bob Blackman and all sorts of other Jewish uh, uh, lobbyists. Our alarm was heightened this month when the BBC invited the controversial commentator Atwan onto Dateline. Okay, where he expressed sympathy for the man who attacked Salman Rushdie in New York. Um, did he? On the very same day as Mr. Atuan expressed these views, unchallenged on air, he wrote an online article in which he wrote, I support Mahmoud Abbas and his refusal to apologize for the killing of 11 Israeli participants in 1974 in Munich in the Olympics. And his use of the term holocausts to describe the many massacres to which Palestinians have been subjected by Israeli forces. This rhetoric is characteristic of Atwan, who in the past praises terrorists as martyrs and their attacks as miracles. Atwan is one of the most prominent journalists in the Arab world and reaches millions through his social media platforms. He's the editor-in-chief of a new website called in English, it's really hard to read. 
and is a staunch defender of the Palestinian cause and a fierce critic of Israel. Okay. And of course, some Jewish people are commenting on the post, trying to sway our opinion to be against at one. All right. Last item of the news. What did I tell you? Everyone's whining. Hindu organization. Community is under siege, living in fear. Would you stop? Does everyone just whine incessantly? Is that what being a minority now is? 180 British, Indian, and Hindu organizations and temples. They wrote to Prime Minister Liz Truss, who's out now, requesting her to intervene and protect them. They're being targeted and feel threatened. Gosh, the people aren't embarrassed to write this stuff about themselves, right? The open letter was signed by uh, a whole bunch of organizations, Hindu organizations, which I'm not saying go around of uh, offend Hindus. Okay? Just... Uh, the letter does not mention violence or intimidation perpetrated against Muslims in Leicester. Like, it doesn't mention what you guys did. I'm not for, like, obviously this, this type of stuff, but you're a guy. You're going to write a letter. We fear violence. No embarrassment in saying that. All right, maybe, like, people are a different breed these days. I don't know. I, would, I personally would be embarrassed to say something like that. The letter reads, we write to draw your attention to the recent disturbances in Leicester, Birmingham, and other towns which have greatly distressed the Indian Hindu communities. I thought this thing was over, by the way. Hatred towards the Hindus is at an all-time high. Uh, they could get higher. To the point where there has been open violence, intimidation, and abuse leveled at Hindus through physical assaults. I say it could get higher because what they do in India to the Muslims would request it's going to get high. Muhammad, Muhammad, play on the rug so it doesn't make so much noise. But I'm saying it could get higher. I'm not saying that that's like we're, we're, we're promoting this type of thing, but it could get higher because of what you're doing in India. You, what's your guy, Modi's doing? The Hindu community has made UK its home for the past half century. We are less than 2% of the population. Really? No way. It looks like you, there's Hindus everywhere. It's got to be way more than that. Yet our contribution, of which you no doubt are aware, is significantly higher okay, in terms of socioeconomic contribution to the British economy and by way of social integration, as well as upholding our progressive British values. The Hindu community is one of the most law-abiding as evidenced of, by, of imprisonment statistics. Yet today we feel like a community that is under siege. As a last resort, we write to you to draw your attention to our plight you have a plight as the long-term consequences of what is unfolding. You must be aware of the violence in Leicester and aggressive protests outside the temple in Birmingham. Okay. He's not uh, celebrating. I don't know if you heard that, but just as a disclaimer, he's not celebrating the aggressive protests outside the temple. Although causes of what happened in Leicester are many and complex, the bottom line is that a marginalized Hindu community you know that I think it's a type of divine punishment when you take on a mentality of loss, threat, fear. It must be part of the punishment. This Hindu community now lives in a state of fear. 
While some families have already left the neighborhood, many more are preparing to relocate. It is worth noting that a small but highly organized band of radical Islamists took full advantage of the community tensions that existed between the marginalized Hindu community and their Muslim neighbors, which had previously lived in peace. They're small, so deal with them then. A storm of misinformation was created on social media with open incitement to violence against Hindus. As a consequence of this vicious campaign, numerous Hindus were physically assaulted. I'm telling you, if Muslims wrote this, I would be upset. If Muslims wrote this type of article, we're afraid, our community is this, that, and the other, I would be upset. I mean, what did the guy, uh, some of those Muslims do the other day, uh, after this? They went out there, and they just walked walk in the streets, not writing some uh, uh, weak letter like this. And I think it was done with. They went off and, and walked around the streets, a bunch of, bunch of dudes, and nobody messed with them again. Hindu homes targeted, cars, which showed Hindu symbolism, vandalized. Okay, we're against all that, right? While the, but why don't you put together your own community task force? While the media widely reported it as a clash of two faith communities, it failed to explain why the damage suffered was almost exclusively by Hindus. It is frightening for the beleaguered Hindu community of Leicester to see that the perpetrators of these crimes are still walking freely. The letter makes the following appeal. Investigate. Give financial support. And make a commission to investigate anti-Hindu hate and its causes. Ask Modi what the causes are. Recognize the threat of British homegrown extremists. Help fund teachers to basically identify and deal with anti-Hindu hatred in schools. So now I guess, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la is going to be hate speech. To in- Mark my word, they're going to make it hate speech. The Satanists, A'udhu billah min shaitan rajim will be hate speech. To ensure that sufficient security is provided to the Hindu community, both in the short term and long term, right? During, uh, including during the celebration of Diwali. Razi Ashraf says, comments, this is a classic example of the thief shouting thief. A true example of playing the victim. The names of the Hindu organizations, uh, there's an ad in the way here. I have to close this ad out. Five pillars. It's not, lap, it's not iPad friendly. The names of the Hindu organizations are clear proof of this fascist Hindu organization doing propaganda. That's all it is. That's what he's saying. I don't know if it's propaganda or not. I'm just saying that the tone is a tone of losers. The Hindu RSS of India known for its fascist agenda, blah, blah, blah. So he's basically saying it's a fascist agenda. That is concludes our time here in terms of the affairs of the Ummah. And now let's go to your questions. First we will take, if you have any questions, put the questions here again. Because I don't want to scroll up again. Put your questions here. We'll take things that relate to the topic first. And then we'll take things that are... What's going on, Rai? Oh, all of Othman's... uh, Yeah. Will this subject be reoccurring since we discussed it last week too? This subject, the subject of today is the affairs of the Ummah, and we do this every Wednesday as well as a du'a, which this time that we did the du'a before, at the beginning of the stream. Okay. 
Abdul Hadi, I got called ISIS when praying in public. I'm like, ma'am, it's the Taliban you need to worry about. <laughs> good one, right? That's a very good one. They said we're sun worshippers. Well, one time, poor Oyan, he got a Moroccan, uh, white Moroccan thobe, yeah, and he prayed with the hood up, right? And some African-American women came by, and they were like, excuse me. And they had their phone out, and they're about to, like, record. And like, excuse me, why are you wearing that hood? Blah, blah, blah. They turn around and see a brown guy, right? And they're like, nothing, it's a Moroccan hood. What's going on? And then he realized that it looks like a clan outfit. I'm telling you, this mentality. Okay. This mentality of looking for a way to be offended as a minority. It seeped into people's heads without them realizing it. You know what? You're a minority. Why are you a minority? Because your country stinks. That's why. Fix your own country and go live back home where you're the majority. Like, look at the realities of things. You're not a minority for some good, some innocent reason here. Maybe we are. We're born here. But I will put it back to our grandfathers. Why are we here in a in a vulnerable position? Because our grandfathers lost wars. That's why. You don't like it? Okay, your grandfathers lost wars. Fix it now. That's the only reason why you're here. They they messed up. Yes, we respect individually all of our grandparents as a generations of the past. The, the grandfathers of the French and the British defeated the grandfathers of the Muslims. Simple fact. Losing stinks, right? But you lost. That's why you're in this position. So stop whining. Pick yourself up as soon as possible because this this approach of just like being totally removed from the actual realities of history and then expecting some some fairness or something. There's no fairness in life. Like political life, there's no fairness. You're lucky if someone has any. Okay? You're, you're lucky if, if Muslims have, have any... Uh, anyone's fair to them. Is, it, is there a special holiday for high schoolers or something? Because Sigistu is saying, can we have an anime girl in Jannah? So the high schoolers are out, basically. The high schoolers are out. That's the only way to... Hanifa S. says, every day there's at least one anime question. What is going on? I've never watched one second of an anime cartoon. Are they even called cartoons? Obeid Ali? No, it's not gold. It looks, if the color's gold, of course, but we didn't. Not like we're good. People who like watching shows, Sheikh Harun was suggesting a show yesterday. What's it called? Called Rabi al Qurtuba. Rabi al Qurtuba. Like it's just a show, but at least you Cordoba? learn Arabic while you do it. That's good. It's about Cordoba? Yeah, Spain? but it's, it's in Arabic and you learn Islamic history and they're no, Muslims good. and stuff like that. That's really good. Yep. Allah has, does not create any disease, but He also creates with it its cure. That's correct. Except. Uh, death is this for physical emotional etc and who has knowledge of these cures well these cures have to be sought by the humans that's the deal for every disease which we mostly bring on by our own creations we invent things and they cause diseases there's a cure allah promises there's a cure you have to go find it though isn't it you who invented the stuff right you invented the plastic you invented all these sugars uh, refining these sugars you did all that stuff so you also go find the cures so we have to find the cures okay um 
Does that involve emotional? I believe the emotional, okay, um, the emotional and spiritual sicknesses, mainly the majority of those cures are also going to be non-physical. They could be possibly physical, but possibly non-physical. And I do testify that there is external things that could mess up your emotional state. There was once a guy who was giving out vitamins, so I took the vitamin. Right, it was a curcumin vitamin. When I, I started feeling depressed, and I would wake up say like, "Why am I down? Like, there's no reason for me to be upset, but I was just down, right?" And then I was talking to my friend, and he happened to say, "Oh man, I took that stuff and made me depressed." I was like, "Oh, that's what it is," because we both took the vitamin from the guy at the same time. And as soon as I stopped taking that, I stopped feeling down. So I start. I do actually believe that there is external things could enter your body, and pick you up or bring you down. I mean, coffee makes people happy all the time. So, all right, glitter. It has has a comment about Adnan Sayed. Adnan Sayed's aunt read an ayah she was given from Surah Yusuf to read one hundred times, and he will come to her in ninety days. All right, he will b- come back home in ninety days. Is there anything to this? Why not? Why not? Okay. Will streams stay or at the same time after the time changes? Yes, it'll be 1.30 p.m. Is not feeling attracted to your spouse anymore grounds for divorce in the Sharia? Uh, first of all, from the man or from the woman? The man is taking on the responsibility of his wife. By law, If we marriage is not just by law. There's law and there's emotions and there's other things. But if you're asking about the law, as soon as he does not want to have uh, his wife anymore, he doesn't have to, right? If she can't fulfill his uh, duties, okay, then she tells him, I can't fulfill your duties anymore obligations towards you anymore so please release me from this marriage he said okay give me my dowry back if he agrees to that then they go their own ways but as as in real life no in real life that's not the said Omar faced that in his time he said is everything just love it's his responsibilities too how do we answer atheists says bina who argue that it is better to be good because of the goodness of your heart and not because of the promise of paradise and the fear of hell. That hap- they, they say that so much. Okay? And the, our answer to that, number one, is firstly, you can't even define goodness, number one. Number two, it's a lie that people don't have a motivation. Ask them, what's your motivation for that? Okay. Number three, we... Uh, our human beings are known by their creator the best. And our creator knows that humans are of different states. The highest of all states is he does the good for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. There is no such thing as doing the good for the good. Because the good is only defined by Allah. So therefore you do the good for the sake of Allah. Allah is our focus, not the good. Something was good today, it's bad tomorrow. Like what? Moses married two sisters. That's haram for us. It was good for him. It's bad for us. The, uh, the first generation of humans. You couldn't marry your twin. You could only marry one of your sisters that was not a twin. That was good for them. It's haram for us. 
So good for us is is nothing. We don't have, it's not a standalone thing. It's only what Allah tells us is good. And of course, their details can be determined by our intellect, our gut instinct, our fitrah, the details. But primarily, something is good because Allah says it's good. All right. So there is no such concept of the good for the good itself, as if it's a standalone thing in the universe. No. So our focus is upon Allah. So we do something for the love of the Creator. That's the highest motive. But sometimes our soul drops in its strength. Our spiritual strength drops. We need a personal motive. Allah says, have any personal motive you want as long as you know it's coming from me. That's what ikhlas is, is to seek your reward solely from Allah. Sometimes we're even weaker than that and we succumb to our temptation. Allah says, I'll do you a favor. If you can't succumb to our temptations, I'll attach pain to these temptations so you stay away from them. So these atheists who claim and say it's better to be good just for its sake, we say, okay, you do that. Be good for its sake and then go to Jahannam, right? And I will avoid Jahannam and you, th- you can think you're better than me all you want. All I need to is to avoid Jahannam. You see, they don't believe in Jahannam. That's why. So um, I think it's a nonsensical statement. Everyone has to have a motive that connects to themselves. Just a reminder regarding the time change this weekend. All right, so how is it affecting Europe now? Is the class later for the Europeans or is it earlier? I'm really thinking that we're going to need, eventually when we, when as we grow, we're eventually going to have a, a European track for classes, right? So ArcView classes, there will be some midday ArcView classes that would be in the evening for, for the European times. How do we pass trials and tests in life? Mrs. S. is asking this question. We should get Adnan Sayyid to talk about that because he just went through the biggest one that we could probably, you know, in our community uh, on the East Coast here. But uh, when I say our community, I mean the, east, the, the broader East Coast because he's about four hours away from us, three hours, Baltimore. But I believe the best way is always to have a really good uh, dream in front of you. Okay. A really good dream in front of you. Something that it it would it would be big enough of an inve- of, of of an incentive for you to climb up mountains and work nonstop and worship Allah nonstop. You got to keep that in your mind. You got to be working towards that goal. Because sadness, anger, grief, these things are never pushed away, they're displaced. I have a bigger thing I'm thinking about. That's the only way that I, uh, that's the only piece of advice I have for this sister. How do we get through these hardships? You got to have some bigger dream in your head. It, the more you say stop to something, to a feeling or an emotion or a pain, the more attention you give it. You focus everything there. You got to put your focus somewhere else. Allah does not use anger. Yes, he has the word ghadab. And the ghadab of Allah means the absence of his mercy. The withdrawal of his mercy. Okay. Random user. An ad blocker might help. Maybe. Maybe. 
Right, you saw all these chats that it's whatever the bots again. That's what they said. Are the podcasts still being posted on SoundCloud and Spotify? Yes, they are. The difficulty now, says Lily, are subliminal messages. People don't realize. Yeah, subliminal messages are very common and very heavy. Mustafa L, shaking hand after Salah is bid'ah. I was told you should shake hand of someone you just met in Jama'ah. It's a bid'ah that is, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a bid'ah that is sinful. It's not a sinful innovation, but it is an innovation, but it's not a sinful innovation. If it becomes perceived by people that it's a sunnah that they have to do, that's the problem, not the shaking itself. The belief that this is something they actually have to do. Zamar Vladi, can I have what kind of wives can I have in Jannah? All right, you can just get there first. Suzella Rahim, what are the characteristics that women, sh- but you can have what you want, to be quite honest with you, if that's what motivates you. And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with a man wanting women. He loves, right? And now, that might bother, if you're married to one woman, that's going to bother her, but you're just going to say, at least you want. Women, I'm saying in general, man loves women as a, a, a fitra, right? Man loves woman. Woman loves man. We don't have any problem with that. And you have like a teenager here who is just thinking about that in Jannah. No, no problem. Suzella Rahim says, what are characteristics that women should work on to be good wives? I see a lot of breakups in the community. I think that both sides, husband and wife, they, there needs to be marriage coaching, to be quite honest with you. Really, they should be uh, marriage coaching because I personally believe that seeking sacred knowledge and learning the adab of the Sahaba, the adab of the shiyukh, and the seer and the shema'at of the Prophet is 90% of it. And then maybe 10, 20% of it okay, is going to be like general advice that everyone gives, Right? But I really believe that Shema and Sira, worship Allah together, study, knowledge, learn how, look at how Fatima Zahra lived, Aisha lived, Sayyidah Aisha, Sayyidah Khadija, for the women. These are the examples. Now, you're going to have contemporary issues. Look at, don't we have shiuch? How do their wives live? Like, look, if, if you have 10 shiuch, look at how their wives and daughters live. Because if that's like a total of, let's say, 20 women, Wives and daughters of Shiuch, they're going to reflect the truth. The majority of them, maybe one will be, you know, uh, to some extremes, but there's going to be a broad middle. How did we learn how to, how to what is adab, like the adab of, of Islamic scholarship and it's the adab of, uh, of, of life, the adab of these things? From the living Shiuch. Yes, you read from the books, you study knowledge, but also the living Shiuch. And the observation of them, talking to them, getting advice from them is a type of education for you. So I would say bring them in okay, and, and learn these things. But it's got, and, and, the, and the best thing is to get from a lot of people, not just one person, because one person has limited experience and they have the temperament that may be different than yours, a husband that may be different than yours, children that are different than yours, right? So everything's different. 
So you're going to need 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. That's why suhbah is so important and life in the masajid is so important. Sheikh Zuhair recently released a fatwa. Um, or it's like a footnote in, 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 in a book that he's writing. Where he says that the masajid is the only place for people to learn Islam, especially in the Western countries. So women need to be in masajid. Right? Because in the old days, the fatwa, the ruling is that uh, young ladies who always go to the masjid is not good. And it's makruh for them to do so. Whereas he's saying now that this, they're, they're, women are out everywhere. So that ruling, when you apply it now to the masjid while she's everywhere else, it doesn't make any sense. She has to be in masjid because it's the only place you're going to learn. It's the only place you're going to see pious He said to, to meet pious people, to see pious people and meet them. Right? That's how we're going to learn. So we need, coaching is not just an official coaching class. Coaching is also, I meet someone, I ask them one word of advice. How do you do this? How do you do that? Right? And you watch them and you observe them. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? You learn a lot just by um, observation. Abdullah is uh, not tolerating these youth who are calling him bruh. B-R-U-H. <laughs> He's, I'm not, uh, I'm not bruh. You can say brother. <sighs> can a sheikh use a jinn to cure a person who is sick? It is permissible to use the Muslim jinn. Okay. The Muslim jinn to remove evil jinn or just annoy uh, uh, nuisance jinns because not all jinns are shayateen. Some jinns are, but there are jinns that can be just a nuisance, and it, you're allowed to use a Muslim jinn. But that's a whole nother world. Don't get involved in it. Just don't get involved. A whole discussion, you know, uh, on the word bruh, and it's one of these. There's certain things that are new to me. Is you know what's new to me? This uh, expression that I hear you guys sometimes saying and Ahmed Ali saying and stuff is no uh, feeling some type of way. Uh, that's like <laughs> the heck is that? <laughs> Did we lose all sorts of vocabulary? Right? <laughs> is the vocabulary been so limited now? Or someone's in their feels. In their feels. Feels. Yeah. Oh my god! Wow. Are we required to have husn al-dhan of non-Muslims? Good question by Abdul Hadi. Husn al-dhan is in a matter that is not your business. If a matter is your business and you can be harmed by it or someone else can be harmed by it, then you do not have husn al-dhan. You have su'al dhan. Such as what? You're going to hire somebody. A person's going to live with you. A person is going to, for example, become your roommate. You, a person wants to come into your home. No, you have su'adlan. So you protect yourself first. Okay? You protect yourself first. And then you can let them in. So you question them and you ask about them, all that stuff. Muslim women are feeling assaulted online by Muslim men. What is your advice to them? 
Certain channels you have to click off, to be honest with you. They're out of control. Twitter. They're out of control. I'm telling you, they're out of control. Like a woman shouldn't be in Twitter comments. Yeah, Twitter, these guys on Twitter are out of control. The guys, the right, they're very right-wing types. I'm telling you, they're out of control. I don't know what's eating them up about women. Alhamdulillah, my life, uh, the women in my life have been very level-headed, right? So I don't know what allergy that they have. They contracted some allergy. They got some issues. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, like the feminist stuff, I don't believe in any of that stuff anyway. Okay. I don't believe in all that feminist stuff. Uh, of the, the anger. Okay. Right. The, the, the anger about, uh, uh, of that, they're, that they're instilling towards men and judgment towards men has just rebounded in a group of guys who are doing that back, right? So that's essentially what uh, uh, is going on there. And uh, I really want no part of it because spiritually, it really ruins your heart. So I have no part of that, that crew. And while recognizing, obviously, that uh, what the source is, okay? And I'm not, I don't shy away from saying that that is the source and that's something that... Um, like a lot of hatred is created from the other side too. And a lot of their beliefs are totally, um, you know, they're just beliefs. They're not anything that anyone's forced to accept. Okay, so, and I think they did, did a lot of destruction to society, right? A lot, of these, a lot of these beliefs and positions are destructive to society. But what you're going to end up with, things are going to swing the opposite way. So what I've tried to guard myself from is I stopped reading, uh, looking so much at, at woke and feminist stuff because it'll get you angry. And I also stopped looking at the other things. I, I don't even look at it. People are asked about Andrew Tate. I have watched literally 60 seconds of a clip like oh, two years ago uh, of Andrew Tate. I have not watched a single clip right, uh, or, or longer form clip. I'm not getting sucked into this rabbit hole or that rabbit hole. Well, you, you know that I cut off the, the woke side a long time ago and the liberal side, but I'm not getting sucked up in that other side. That, that crew that has went the way the opposite way and they're essentially right-wing Muslims. I am not going that way. Right? Red pill Muslims, I'm not going that way. And I've said it many times because it's not going to last. Right? The middle is what's going to survive. Just the deen. Keep your focus on Muhammad wasallam. Keep your focus on the ulama. That's why I want to keep my focus. I didn't want to look at that stuff. You're going to get affected. You're going to get affected by anger on one side. Now, the women are the opposite, right? They're going to be angered by the red pill stuff and maybe influenced by the, the feminist stuff. Males may be influenced by the red pill stuff and angered by the feminist stuff. I'm not going either way, right? Because it's, it, it ruins your heart. Uh, don't touch the camera. They're still going on on bruh. What is the meaning that the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah will gather his affairs. Whoever focuses on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will gather his affairs. What does that mean? It means that your family life will be good. Your financial life will be good. 
your physical health will be good. Your deen will be good. Your job will be good. Your tech, your children will be collected. That's what it means. The opposite. All right, I'm having a divorce. My kid's astray. I'm in debt. I'm about to get fired. Blah, blah, blah. Mutashatit. Okay. Someone wants to talk about the spiritual origin or the tasawwuf and the ikhwan. This is from Tasneem Search. Okay. Would it be possible to do an NBF about this? We can, inshallah. It is doable. Why not? Maybe someday. Timing might be hard to bring her as a guest, but Allah says in the Quran, question from Muhammad. Allah says, and we reveal of the Quran that which is a healing and a mercy to the believer. The main problem is that our lack of iman. Otherwise, we can easily get cured through the Quran. That's true. Does listening to the Quran get us the same reward as reading it? Uh, the Prophet said yes. Is it impossible to have iman like the Sahaba? It is not impossible. It, yes, it is impossible to have the exact Imam of Sahaba because they saw the Prophet with their eyes. But we can have a lot of goodness. And we can see our shiuch, our uh, mountains of stability and Iman. Let's get Adnan in here and invite him. Not yet, but let's get it started, you know. Care and Ikna. Okay, let's go down now. Um, all right, it keeps the comments keeps moving up and down. It's annoying. When choosing a spouse, says Aniqua, people look for all sorts of things, especially a degree and secular education qualifications. They want a doctor wife or a, or a doctor guy, stuff like that. But nobody bothers about Islamic knowledge. Well, it's mostly, most people don't. They look for the dunya. They look for stability here. And enough Islamic knowledge is enough. But I'm telling you, if you want to be happy in life, live the masjid life. Live the knowledge life. Live the life of masajid and shiuch. Because the older you get in it, the better it gets. Right? Mrs. S, I was advising him to ask questions that matter. Okay, they're just having a discussion. Abdul Hadi, is there less punishment for people who may falter in their Islam due to mental health conditions? Yes. Umm Maryam says, I love this saying by a scholar, men and women are mutually superior to each other. That's, uh, you could probably argue that. There, there are certain things a woman can get rewarded on and do in this world, and you absolutely have a need for her, no one else can do it, and the opposite can be said for men. Khadija Asif says, 
I suspect many of them have had their hearts broken and it fuels their hatred. Hearts broken or rejected, right? Like heartbroken, you, you might still, that might be a bit of a generous term. Rejected might be that term. Might be the right thing. I don't, no, nobody says, I don't think it's about Muslim women with modesty. I know a Pakistan girl who threw a party the day she took off hijab. I think it's that these types, so he's just giving a comment here. Um, It's very hard to actually get through the questions now. And Rai is doing child care, so I have to get through. I'm literally going through discussions and comments. Okay. Glitter. I, I can ask some questions. Yeah, give me some questions, because the comments, the discussions back and forth are a lot. I mean, is it possible to have non-Muslim friends in the West of the same gender, of course, they said? No, of the same gender. Of the same gender. So why wouldn't you? Yeah, you, 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 you are on the religion of your best friends. So, so your best friends should be people that you are, would accept to trade their books on the Day of Judgment. So your five group of friends, all put your book of deeds in, in a pot and everyone take a random one. That's how you should be, right? Your book of deeds, you should be willing to swap them. If you're not, don't keep company with that person. Hamza Jay says, my sister is asking, what is your favorite hadith and why? Well, that's easy. I'm in the good opinion of my slave. If he thinks good of me, he'll get that. If he thinks bad of me, he'll get that. That's my favorite one because it puts the matter in our lap. And it allows us to dream up a future for ourselves and live towards it. You can't not have a goal in life. You have to be going somewhere. Why people mess up, they get issues, and you can't, Give up on things that you, you, you wanted or that things are not going well in life. Giving up is not a rank. It's not a maqam. It's not a good deed. you rather just die trying. At least you're, you're doing something with your time. Right? So. Is that Sun Tzu? Oh, it's a hadith? Oh, that state about Afia. That you are either in bala or afia. You're either in trial or you're in protection from trial. Yeah. You're in either, and, and if you are the people of bala, uh, the people of afia should thank Allah that they're not people of bala. But the people of bala, meaning they're receiving trials, their maqam is going through the roof if they have sabr with those trials. A session on the fiqh of polygamy. I gave my whole thing on the fiqh of polygamy and the pragmatics of it, right? I've said it a couple times, but I'll say it again in, in, in a 60 second here, that the ruling is the ruling. It is, it's halal for a man to have multiple wives, up to four. But the question is, when it hits the ground, you don't want to do, and I, this is my advice, this is what I say. You, you don't want to do something to somebody else, like your children, for example, or your wife, that you have you or your community has zero experience with. It, it's not fair, right? It's not fair. And that's my opinion, personally speaking. So I would not allow, for example, like the way I, the way I raise my kids to live, I'm going to raise you the way I lived. I'm not going to ask you, some, I'm not going to push you harder, right? Or take something away from you. Because 
that's what's fair in my opinion. Like the, the, we live a certain balanced life, what you consider balanced, that's what I'm going to transmit. I'm not going to go and push you to, 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 to something and put you in a certain world unless the situation forces me. That's different, right? Or unless I learned something was bad. You learn, for example, a certain chemical is bad. You make sure that you don't eat it anymore. So I ate it in my youth. I don't eat it anymore. That's different. That's knowledge, right? But a way of living. I don't want to experiment with them. Allah's going to ask us about this amana that he gave us. So I want to give them a baseline, tarbiyah, upbringing, right? That is balanced. If any of them wants to be great, you can be great. I'm going to push you to do a, a certain respectable minimum, Okay. There's no discussion. I'm, I'm going to push you to do it. But if you want to go any further than that, right, that's really up to you. Okay. Uh, let, let it come out of them. But to push them into a new way of living now where there's co-wives and, and all this stuff, practically speaking, it's, or, we have no precedent for this. I don't know how to answer these questions for you. So why would I put them in that situation? So that's my answer on that in a nutshell. It's more of like pragmatics than a ruling. It's not, it's Noha, that's what it is. It's Noha says, it's Noha 95 on Instagram says, could something we continually make dua for be sharr for us? Judge it with your mind and believe Allah will give it to you. With your, with your mind, with the sharia, with your common sense. Judge it. If you want it, believe in it. Go after it. Allah will make you happy one way or another. But you keep your eye on the goal because that's what the Prophet commanded us. The Prophet commanded us. If you want something, keep your eye on it and have no discussion, you're going to get it. If you start hesitating, well, maybe it's not good for me, maybe it is, then at that point, you're the reason that you might not get it. Put your eye on it. Now, if Allah subhanahu has another plan for you, you will hit a wall, you'll be turned in a different direction, something will happen, that will turn your heart away from it completely and will turn your heart to something far better. Okay? You understand? But you don't worry about Allah's knowledge. You worry about yourself. The command of the Prophet. You want, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. you want something, you keep your eye on it, go for it, ask Allah Ta'ala. Start getting up for tahajjud. Get up for tahajjud. Do salat on the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, 1,000 a day. Have no hesitation. What if the husband did not really lead and guide toward Islamic values? Well, you have to see your family situation if it is harmful or not to, to, to continue with him. Okay. What is bid'ah and how to identify it, says Maz. All right, let me just give you another shell. Bid'ah is of two categories. Bid'ah of beliefs and bid'ah in action. Bid'ah in beliefs is to negate some and a text of Quran or Hadith that is explicit but not widespread. It's explicit but not widespread. Okay. If it was, and that person is an innovator, his good deeds do not count until he fixes his belief. All right. If it is explicit and it is widespread, that person's out of Islam. Like who? The Qadianis who believe in another prophet. If it is not explicit, it's interpretive. And he goes against the ijma, the consensus of the ummah. I, I think I got too technical for the brother right here. Right? Then 
that's bid'ah khafifa. He is still a Sunni, but on this matter, he's misguided and he's an innovator. On that matter only. Now, as for the bid'ah of action, it is to do an act in salah or in hajj, for example, that the Prophet ﷺ did not do. Because hajj and salah in spe- and siyam in specific are things the Prophet ﷺ said, do it exactly as I do it. As for dhikr and du'a, he opened the door. So bid'ah is, some, is to introduce something new in worship that has no basis, neither in specific nor in general. Because the basis could be specific or general. right? There, you could have a general basis for something. So that those innovations they fall in the, of actions, they fall in the category of obligatory, permitted, uh, uh, recommended, permitted, discouraged, or haram, based upon its relationship with the evidence. That's a summary of innovation. Sagestu so said, a girl left Islam because Indrate converted to Islam. What do you think about that? I would question the facts, to be honest with you. Um, I would question that that's, is that like a Twitter thing? Is that just... That's kufr. But what if uh, he corrects himself, though? Like, wait a second. We're not going to... Are we... Are people static, or they do they change, right? The worst person can change. He can change, right? Again, I I don't have much context of what he says, but um, he can change. Salam from Melbourne. May Allah reward the whole team. My family and I benefit. We put them on. While driving in the car and listen as a family. That's really nice. That's, I'd love to hear that. And I'd love to go back to Australia someday. It's 6.20 a.m. on Thursday in Melbourne. Wow. I didn't realize the time was that drastic. Ishaq, what's the sharh of this hadith? A woman's prayer in her, in her room is better than her prayer in the courtyard and her prayer in the cabinet is better than the prayer in the room. The answer to that, Allah Adam, is that uh, the women in the time of the Prophet wasallam would pray in the masjid. But then some of them began to be uh, bogged down by duties. So they could no longer pray in the masjid. So they felt bad and they felt that they were missing out on the reward. And so the Prophet ﷺ extended the place of their reward right, to their homes so that they would not feel that they have to leave their duties in the homes um, uh, and go to the masjid. That is one of the tafsirat of that hadith and Allah knows best. Or it could mean that in the case that the masjid is like um, a very big masjid filled with strangers, then it's better for her not to go alone. If it's like a neighborhood masjid and everyone knows everyone, it's a little bit different. Oh my gosh, you can spin all you want, son. What are the obligations, says Maham Masood, of a son as opposed to a married daughter towards their mother? The son is the first line of defense of taking care of the mom. If the son fails to or he cannot for some reason, 
then the son-in-law, the the wife's husband, it falls on his lap, right, to take care of his mother-in-law. Uh, Abdul Hadi says, I don't understand your answer to my question. Did you mean by your answer that yes, we have husnadhan of non-Muslims? Yes. Y- yes, you can have husnadhan in the sense that it's an attitude. You don't want to always think ill of somebody. I don't think that that's, it's not the way of our Prophet wasallam, Right? To always think ill of somebody. It's not our way. Lying and backbiting. That's a problem. Well, when you know that, you have to be on guard. So that's why I said, if you have no business with them, have hasnadhan. If you have an interest with them, like I'm dealing with them, then no. Then you have to be very guarded with people. There's a hadith that Sheikh Rami always says. Um, protect yourselves with su'adhan. Yeah. Now, spinning dhikr, is that a thing? Um, it, no, it's not a thing for us. It's a bit out for us, but we're in the in light of like youth and the stuff that they go through. If a kid says he wants to spin around and do dhikr, I'm not gonna like. But it is for us. It, it's a bidah, and it's not respectful to dhikr. We don't say that we. But if you want to spin around, just spin right, and then do dhikr later. How could you do it? Don't you get dizzy? Muzammil says. <laughs> he's basically being accosted by his neighbor how can I have that's what I said when you have re- an interest then you don't you guard yourself but you have no interest and you're just dealing with a person at work or some, something like that then you can have done. so obviously Muzam and Muhammad has issues with his neighbor okay he has issues with his neighbor poor guy Lily says this is how bad things have gotten in the last 20 years people don't read books I don't know if the new generation knows what a book is. The schools don't even give them books. I was, when I went to middle school in yesterday, yeah. I, brought, I brought two books. I had to take pictures of it. Or somebody wanted to take pictures of it. Wow. Because everything is now a PDF or whatever. Even all school, like math. Math is now on the computer. Hawk Knight says, do you have to retake your shahad if you dance at Diwali celebration? First of all, this Diwali thing is... Um, had it with Diwali everything these days it's almost as if like it just it just like exploded uh, in our community I guess the population of Hindus has grown in our area okay and the number of references of Diwali went from like zero for years to like one to two it's like two thousand Man, you're then the next time you come for lashes. I told him, I'm like, you know, that's for Hindus, right? Because yeah, okay. You all heard of this politician in the mosque? If I share you something on your phone, can you, um, can you put it up? It's just, just like a funny email it to you, sure. 
One second, people. We're doing something here. I'm getting something hilarious for you. All right, it's compressing and sending to you right now. In the meantime, sincerely, Salam says, can Allah grant us something we are passionately praying for just to teach us a lesson? No, Allah does not do this. Allah does not do this. When Allah Ta'ala grants you, teaches you a lesson through something, okay, it's when you're like sarcastic about it. Oh, I would much, when you don't give it much thought or piety. Okay. When you say something, for example, like, oh, I would much rather anybody live here except that guy. And you keep saying that. Well, maybe Allah will give you anybody. Okay. So, but when you are piously praying for something and it's answered, I have it here from Habib Omar directly. Yajib, Yajib, Yajib. You must believe it is good. Allah does not play tricks. Allah does not play games. He does not take a pious person. Okay. And do this to them. He does not take piety from you and use it as a trick against you. If your prayer is answered and you find some hardship in the thing that you prayed for, that's due to some sins that you had. Right? That's due to some sins. If you prayed for a car, you got a car, and now you don't know how to drive well. That's because you don't know how to drive, not because of the car. Right? So we have to, when we make a dua, you better worship Allah well, have a good heart, and all that stuff. Purify yourself so that you can enjoy your blessing as much as possible. Okay? I can't tell you how important it is. That's part. That's not just even husn al billah. That's the truth about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the haqq. وَهَلْ جَزَاءُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ is not the reward of a good and sincere person. Anything other than goodness, no tricks with Allah Ta'ala. Iblis is the one who does tricks. Right. A bad trick does not come except from someone who does bad tricks. When Allah tricks a person, how does he trick him? With his own plots, his own schemes. Okay. How is Allah a makir? With what does Allah trick people? With his tricks. With the plot that you made for another Muslim or you made for an innocent person, that's how Allah will trick you. With your plots. So as long as we're honest, sincere, clean-hearted, then we must believe. That. Yeah, and we need volume for this. It's hilarious. Ibrahim Sunborn says, Can I make wudu with gel? Can my son make wudu with gel? As long as the... Yeah, you wipe over your head. All right, go. Volume up. There you go. And we are here to provide you hopefully with some understanding or even just answers moving forward as you make your decisions. Um, but also just thank you once again and um, best wishes. We wish you all the best wishes for your upcoming celebration of Diwali. Oh man! <laughs> A for effort. All right, F uh, for the diversity training. 
for whoever that politician is. Unbelievable. Hilarious. Hilarious. See, here's the thing. That's terrible. If it was any other minority, you know what they would do? We're offended. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what are Muslims doing? We just laugh at it. Yeah, whatever. Unbelievable. Some, this is some random politician visiting a masjid and then she congratulates everyone for Diwali. Hilarious. I'm trying to open a, uh, on my uh, safari here just to get like what what is uh, the, the Diwali aiming to celebrate? Do you know, right? Right, here it is. Diwali Festival. Is this where they do the paint and stuff? Yeah, they throw up paint. And I, I remember in Yale, I had a, like a really good student in Yale. Um, he was, uh, he told me about Diwali. They take like powdered paint and they throw it up. And it's just like a Hindu, I don't know if it's, it's if there's direct religious religion. And of course, obviously we don't practice it or celebrate it, but... It's just like the, the references of Diwali just went like this. So I guess it's time for me to look it up on Wikipedia. We never even studied it in uh, comparative religion class. And I had a Hindu professor. Who... Anika says the powder paint is holy. Uh, H-O-L-I. Is that another holiday? Uh, Holly is about powdered paint. Diwali is another thing. Yeah, it's different. All right, folks, let us wrap up here. Okay. Thank you all very much. And remember, we now do the dhikr of the Wednesday dhikr between Dhuhr and Asr. We do it at the front of the stream now because the time has changed. And now Asr is basically coming in very quickly. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much. Uh, do you often get people in your community wanting to get married but are stopped because of culture or money? It hasn't really happened a lot, I have to say, maybe once or twice. Uh, that there is a um, a cultural difference uh, that parents they can't adjust, and um, I've been trying to. I can't handle that. I can't tell a parent to to get flexible. I can't force it down their throat. Yeah, for the uh, 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 for a wedding to do that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't push. I don't try to bend the 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 man, the family, the um, father and the mother. But what I do tell is I tell the youth, please, you know your family's involved in your life. You know that, right? Don't fall in love with someone that you know that they're not going to accept. And then come to you know other people and try to, to get them to change your parents. No one can change your parents. They're just independent human beings. And don't force feed them a marriage that they're not going to accept. Because... You do have a life. Yes, you're going to be living with your wife. You will need both parents, in-laws at some point. You live together. And not physically, but you live in life, right? You can't have this bad blood in such an important thing like marriage. It's going to exhaust you. It's going to exhaust everybody. So I say to them, don't just don't fall in love with someone who's outside the scope. 
and the scope is whatever it is. You don't like it, this, that, it doesn't matter what you don't like, right? Okay, you, I don't like it that my parents are saying Arab or bust, okay? There's a lot of limitations in life, but I don't see another way out for you, okay? Don't get married, wait until they die. I don't see a way out. To force your parents to change, okay, try. You try, but do try before you fall in love with someone. All right, try to say, listen, we need to change this um, condition of yours before you fall in love with somebody, right? Rather than you fell in love with someone, now khalas, it's Romeo and Juliet, and now you have to call up the masjid, call the sheikh, oh, i never even seen you before in the masjid, now it's an emergency, you have to see me, right? But I never even met you before, Okay. And what are you asking me to do? Change your parents. What? No, it doesn't work like this, right? So if you, if you don't like that condition that your parents are set, try to get them to change it beforehand. And you have the right to do that. It's your right, right? It's your right to marry who you want to marry. But I'm telling you, you still have to live with your parents. So make sure your parents are in line with it. With no force, no compulsion, and nobody should be upset or awkward or have haraj in the wedding. Everyone should be there with an open heart and an open chest and willingly having this, you know, these, these, two, these two families meet, uh, come together in marriage. So that's my advice to you. Do that before. So let's preempt. Rather than coming after the fact, I can't help you after the fact. Preempt. Before you, you go out, uh, off uh, in, that, in that world... You don't like that condition of your parents? Talk to them now. Okay? Talk to them now. This, this business of I'm already in love and then I need your help. So I can't really help you because you're already a runaway train. Like you're a car now with no brakes and you're asking me to help you drive through a brick wall. It's a lose-lose for everybody. Why? Because you did the cart is before the horse, is in front of the horse. You went off, you got yourself in, in, in a romantic relationship, and now you want to work it out. No. Work out the conditions first. So this speech I'm giving right now is, uh, you know, this advice I'm giving is like for the 18 and 17-year-olds. Bring it up now with your parents, if you live with your parents. Some people, don't, maybe converts, maybe they don't have a relationship with their parents like everybody else. But if you live with the parents, uh, with your parents, talk to them from now. And ask them, what are the preconditions? And you tell them, they say, he has to be of this, that, or the other culture. If you don't like that, discuss it with them, right? How can we come bring it in the middle somehow? What if he learns Urdu? What if he learns Arabic? What if he has been Muslim for five years? Discuss it with them from now. And that, I, that I believe, okay, um, that's the right way forward. And that's the only way I could help, is preempting. Can't help you when you're already falling head over heels, but then now you're having your mom's crying, right? What do you want me to do for you? Sorry, not going to work. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu wa amilu al-salihat wa tawasaw bil-haq. وتواسوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته